0: What's up, Religion of Speed podcast? I am Matt Overstreet, your host, as per usual. And joining me today, uh, via Discord, is Jake Caldwell. Did I say your last name right, Jake? That is it. You got it right. All right. So Jake is a uh, local guy here in the drift scene, and I haven't had any uh, guys from the drift scene yet here, so I figure it was about time.
1: <laughs> Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it, man.
0: A lot yeah, of no stuff problem. Going on
1: here in the state, so uh, definitely excited to talk to you about that.
0: Yeah, you know, Colorado's got a really, you know, burgeoning car scene. I, I think, and that's kind of the part point of this podcast is to let everybody know what all is out there. So, absolutely. Uh, so, when whenever I have a guest on for the first time, I always ask him the same question: when When did you realize cars were going to play an important part in your life? Oh
1: boy, that's a loaded question. Um, oh, and
0: I know it is. That's what everybody says. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Um, I think it would all go back to probably, I don't know, when I was 12, 13 years old, I really started to gain an interest in them. Nobody in my family was really into cars. Everybody drove stock boring things. Yeah. But uh, I just, you know, started to notice them and I liked them a lot and realized I had a bunch of Hot Wheels and all that kind of stuff. And uh, fast forward a few years later and I mowed lawns for an entire summer and bought a car without a driver's license or permit and drove it home. (laughs) <laughs> what so, was that car it was a uh 73 ford maverick grabber <laughs> oh wow okay yeah yeah it was uh it was yellow and i actually hate the guy and love him at the same time that sold it to me because he totally ruined my life uh, <laughs> i saw the car in my neighborhood and i was like man that thing is really sweet you know passing by one day i asked him if he would ever sell that and he goes yeah yeah it needs a little bit of work but i would totally sell that and so uh, that was the beginning of that summer, and I made payments on it. And he, he's like, yeah, I'll have it ready for you, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, all right, sweet. So, you know, I thought I was going to get some piece of crap car that barely ran and all that kind of stuff. Right. And the guy went out of his way and put, like, Kregger three-piece wheels on it. He put a four-barrel carb on it, an Edelbrock 1406. He put long two oh, headers and, like... A shift kit he totally ruined me because he gave me this car that was just ridiculously fun to drive and <laughs> that totally was your first car he was doing. yeah <laughs> yeah he uh he sold it to me for like a grand which was a stupid cheap price for all the stuff that he did
0: yeah i'm sure so. the, just the parts he put on it was worth a grand
1: yeah yeah so uh yeah i want to thank him and also say
0: that that was just totally messed up of him <laughs> <laughs> he got you started that's what got you started with all this badness Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. And then, uh, then like a week
1: later I got beat by a stock Acura Integra by like a bus length and realized that, well, <laughs> imports are kind of crazy. <laughs> oh man,
0: that is, that is sad. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. But yeah, that, that's where it all started. And, uh,
1: I think that kind of kicked off my, uh, you know, intro to the import world. Cause I did love old American muscle and the way the body lines looked. Yeah. I realized that the new and upcoming wave was, you know, imports, they were they were way easier to make fast and uh it was all yeah. downhill
0: for from- Yeah, I remember growing up in because, you know, two hours north of Detroit, everybody was a hot rodder out there. There wasn't really an import scene. And there were so many guys out there that, you know, were still running carburetors and stuff like that and like they're like, Oh, nothing's ever gonna beat carburetors and you know, these little imports are never gonna get as fast as, you know, these muscle cars and all that. And now all these muscle car guys are adopting all the stuff that import guys kind of started like, you know, big turbos and fuel injection and stuff like that. And it's like, yeah, you came around eventually.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Yep, And I think the big gap was just getting technology to catch up with, uh, what imports were capable of doing. And now that we're there, there's no turning back.
0: Yeah. Now the, the playing field seems to be a little more level now. Yeah. (laughs) Very, very true. (laughs) So how did you get your start in drifting then?
1: So ironically, um, there is a local guy by the name of Casey Cole. He runs uh, MSpec spec um, Performance. They've got a shop down in Denver. Um, he is kind of the team manager for Stuke Racing. They're currently doing uh, Formula Drift Pro 2, actually. Okay, and, uh, he was my neighbor. He lived two blocks away from me. Oh, really? And- Yeah, the day I bought the car, I was on his street, and he had a 240SX literally on its side in the grass, and he was pulling the transmission out of it.
0: (laughs) That's one (laughs) way to do it.
1: Yeah, yeah, and he literally got me to do my first burnout, my first car that I didn't have license, registration, or insurance with on his street. So. uh,
0: (laughs) Oh man, people uh, were just scumbagging you into becoming a drifter then.
1: Yeah. It kind of, it, it kind of just was a thing. And, uh, you know, a few weeks later I, I started hanging out around there and, uh, you know, I think he took me to my first drift event back when, uh, um, an organization called triple count drift, they used to run things, but he took me to an event and I got to ride along in a car and it just ruined me. I mean, <laughs>
0: yeah. There's it no beater, yeah, it was no going
1: back here. Yeah. It was like a stock beater, two hundred and forty SX with like a welded diff and some eBay coilovers. And I just thought it was the coolest thing in the world. It was, you know, it was nothing special, nothing crazy, but it blew my mind. So, uh, yeah, yeah you well, that, got
0: that's it. like the starter drift package, right? Absolutely, Peter, Peter yeah. 240 welded diff, eBay coils, done. <laughs> and if you ask
1: anybody who's actually really into drifting, they'll tell you low horsepower is the way to start. I mean, anything that's that you actually have to learn how to drive and keep it going is the best way to do it. So,
0: oh yeah. Uh, there, there's a you know the old adage of driving a slow car fast versus a fast car slow and then when it comes to like racing like grip racing which is kind of what i do it's like you need to learn how to drive a slow car fast before you could ever drive a fast car fast it's the same thing with drifting
1: absolutely yep exactly Give you know, me more it, driver.
0: <laughs> yeah exactly driver mods for sure so what was your first drift car that you built yourself then
1: um let's see (laughs) it's a blur i've had too many (laughs) um it was actually okay this is weird so i had a bunch of turbo hondas back in the day and that was like my thing um and i blew the motor on one and i was like oh crap i no longer have a daily driver
0: yeah uh
1: so i sold that i sold a bunch of parts and I was going to buy this 1982 Toyota Cressida. And at the time, I didn't think it was going to be a drift car or anything like that. I was like, man, I really like that thing. I saw it. I had to have it. I went to the Sonic to meet up with the guy to buy it. And it was at a car meet. And some other guy gave him more cash right in front of me. And he sold it to that guy instead.
0: Oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh, just swooped so, in literally right in front of you. That's yes, amazing. Exactly.
1: I saw my car drive away from me without having the chance to buy it. Um <laughs> And so I ended up buying a Nissan Sentra, which is front wheel drive, and that's totally not a drift car. It was a daily driver. Yeah, it was a daily driver and all that kind of stuff. But fast forward another six or seven months, I am on Craigslist, and this guy has a bunch of cars at a junkyard that he's selling, and I see that Cressida on a forklift in the background.
0: The same Cressida?
1: The exact same Cressida, like the Cressida, not just the same model. This is the Cressida (laughs) I was trying to buy. Oh, my God. I give him a call and I was like, what's up with the Crescent on the forklift? He's like, it's total. There's no way you can fix it. One of the uh, front spindles snapped off and the wheel was lodged up in the wheel well. And I was like, well, I'd like to come take a look at it and see if that's the case. Um, it still ran. It had no other issues. And I ended up picking it up two days later for like 400 bucks. I sold my only running and driving car to buy it at the time. That, and I, I did have a job. That seems luckily, logical.
0: Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs>
1: right? You just sell your only running and driving car to buy your first uh, Cressida. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so I got it home, and uh, fortunately, I posted pictures of it on Facebook, and a guy by the name of Tommy, he uh, he kind of you know ran things in the local Cressida scene, per se, and he just so happened to have the exact part I needed, and I told him my situation, and he literally gave it to me. Oh wow! So, yeah. So having no idea how to fix this thing, I got the car home on a trailer. We fixed it in the dirt, and I had it running and driving like two days later, thanks to a couple of friends and their one of my friends' dads actually really helped out. So, uh, um, that's that's how the first drift car was born. Um, It was an automatic 2.6 liter six cylinder Cressida that had cut springs and like just really janky everything. It was definitely put together kind of bad. But, but, yeah, uh, but
0: you know, that's, that's how you start, man. <laughs> Most yeah, jank. Yeah.
1: Exactly. So, and it was right before winter. So all of winter I was able to slide around in parking lots and kind of get a feel for it. So, um, and in the process of that, I kind of got to know Tommy and this other guy, Nate, they actually, uh, Nate works at pro import down in Denver. He's always been there, him and a few of his friends, they all have Cressidas. And um, that's kind of where Yankee Zoku actually started. They were, they were, doing car meets and all that kind of stuff and they invited me out to them since I had a Cressida. Okay. And uh yeah, so that's that's where all that started. But
0: uh yeah, that that was actually going to be my next question because I see you always rocking the Yankee Zoku, you know, banners and stuff and I was kind of curious how that all got started and for that matter what Yankee Zoku, Yankee Zoku really, you know, means.
1: Yeah, so I think the whole point of it was we, we were kind of calling ourselves pro import, but that was the name of the shop and it was kind of weird. And, you know, we were just kind of bouncing names off each other. And uh, somebody said Yankee, cause that's kind of like a, you know, a term that they use in Japan for Americans and mm-hmm. Zoku kind of means gang family and, you know, kind of like a rebel or outlaw kind of thing. So we're like, let's put the two together and just call it Yankee Zoku and see how it goes. So, um, you know, we had stickers printed up. We put them on all our show cars and, We would just go to a bunch of car shows throughout the summer and car cruises and hang out. And uh, that's how that went for quite a few years. And uh, I don't know, two or three years ago, we met a few other guys that had Cressidas. And since we were like the Cressida group, we're like, oh, you should come hang out with us. And they're (laughs) like, well, we're into drifting. And I was like, oh man, I've wanted to revisit drifting because I never really took it seriously upon myself. I've always been around it and yeah. you know, definitely helped out in the drift scene and all that kind of stuff. But I've never actually taken the initiative to build myself a competition drift car or a fun bash style car. I've just always been like... I'm into drifting and I like to go drifting, but I don't go to drifting events. So what am I doing?
0: Right. So uh, (laughs) I I think we've all been there. That was me for a long time with the racing. I'm like, I like racing, but I can't go racing now. Like now that's, that's too expensive or something. You always had some excuse.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So that's, that's how it was for me too. And, um, a couple of the guys in Yankee Zoku were like, we're gonna, we're gonna go to the, uh, IMI motorsports. It's a great track locally. Um, where we host all of our home stuff, but they basically were like, We're gonna go host our own drift event, you know, and just hang out. And then we went the first day, it was downpouring, raining, it was windy, it was terrible, it was cold out. Um, I think it was like in October or something oh. weird. Yeah, not with was was the greatest conditions. Yeah, yeah. And there was six of us there, and we were like, This is miserable. But at the same time, when there was just six of us there, we realized, wait a minute we're all here to have fun nobody's gonna judge anybody and like everybody had a blast we realized who cares about the weather who cares about anything else we're all here to have fun go out on track spin out screw up and just keep doing it over and over until we're you know actually drifting yeah so uh that's kind of how it all started as far as the drift events go um that we hosted and you know we started posting footage of it and like inviting people out and more people started to gain interest and actually liked it. And so we started to make it more of an official thing. And basically we went from our first event having six people to our next event having like 20. And that was like two and a half years ago. And our last event that we just hosted had 62 drivers on track. Oh my. So uh, it's definitely gained a lot of interest and it's been really fun. And uh, the big thing is, is we don't do any sort of competition stuff. It's all, the track is hot from 10 a.m. until sundown, and pretty much anything goes. You know, if, if you're brand new to the sport or if you're a seasoned driver, a pro driver, it's just come out and have fun.
0: Yeah. So that's one thing I have always like been kind of jealous about the drift scene compared to the grip scene. Is like, sure, like I do the time attack series down there at PPIR, and we do fun runs afterwards. But you know, it's all really competition based. It's all timing and stuff like that, and. The fact that the drift scene, it's just like you just go out there and just have fun. It's just about having fun. It's not about competing or anything like that. It's just learn how to drive, yeah. have a good time.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and with that being said, I mean, there's definitely a, a competition side of it, obviously. Um, yeah. Um, Levi Way over at Drift Colorado, he does a really great thing with the competition side. Um, he really brought competition back into Colorado, and there's a lot of competitive level cars. So, it's good to see people pushing that. But at the same time, you know, there's a lot more people that do. They just want to go out and have fun and drive. And we've had drivers at our more recent events that haven't been out of track, on track with other cars in five to 10 years because the scene hasn't been there. It was strictly just competition stuff for a long time. Yeah. So, I think it was nice to get back to the roots of drifting and realize that everybody just wants to go out and party. So,
0: uh, Yep, the I've always considered the drift guys in the car scene to be like the punk guys in like the music scene. You know, they're just yeah. they're just out there to have a good time. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. So and, it, and like even in the competition side of things,
1: um, I've seen you know people that are in semi qualifying. They've had their cars blow up, and in non pro events, um, you're allowed to use whatever car you want to in competition. So I've seen oh. guys that were knocked out of competition. That let other people use their cars that were still in comps. That way, they can continue competing.
0: Oh, that's awesome! Um, I didn't know that rule. Yeah, so
1: yeah, it's it's really interesting to see that even on the competitive side of things, you'll have two people that are completely against each other that are still rooting for each other. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've seen pit crews that are in the top finals. You know, one of their diffs breaks, and you'll see the entire other pit crew over there helping them get it ready because they want to push each other and they want to keep driving against each other. Yeah. So I, I think in that aspect, it's pretty sweet to know that, you know, you may be competing against each other and all that kind of stuff, but everybody kind of has each other's back. And uh, that's one thing I like about the Colorado drift scene. I'm not too sure how it is in other states, but I definitely see a lot of that in Colorado. We're really unified now.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. So, is there is there anything that you do see in the Colorado drift scene that's like that you know is kind of different from what other people are doing? Or is it just kind of um, the same stuff but different region?
1: So I feel like every region has, you know, they're, they're different. Um, I don't want to say clicks, but, like, they're different styles and different things. Um, you go to New Jersey, and, like, from what I've seen, everybody there is just down to party and get real crazy in, like, really stocked cars. Okay. Nobody's doing over-the-top clown shoes, huge horsepower builds unless they're competing in something significant. Um, out here, we kind of have this thing that I like to call the gap between pro and amateur. And it's really sweet because you'll see cars that are, you know, making a thousand horsepower out of these two J's and, you know, LSs with big turbos or big pro chargers and all that kind of stuff. Right. And you'll have that whole group of people. And then right next to them, pitted next to them is a bunch of dudes in Miatas with welded diffs, coils, and a cage, <laughs> And, There's just this, there's this huge gap where you'll see people that'll go out one season with like a stock SR or like a, you know, a stock KA or a stock Jay-Z. And then like next season, they suddenly have this Formula Drift pro top car. And it's just, there's, there's no like buildup. It's it's here in Colorado. It's either full send or I'm just here to have a good time. So, (laughs) all um, right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's definitely a big thing that, and we have a lot of style here. There's a lot of cars, um, that are you know really style oriented, which you know mm-hmm. a lot of places aren't doing that as much. But you know you've got cars like Nate Francis. I don't know if you guys have seen his car. It's an S fourteen, which is a crazy kit on it. You've got Austin Balls with a crazy kit. He was actually on Hoon again with the m Spec Boys. The episode before mine.
0: Oh, was he? But,
1: oh. Yeah, yeah. So he had uh, he had the streetcar Jay Z in that episode. Oh,
0: okay. I saw the preview for that, but I didn't watch it. I didn't realize that was some more local Colorado guys.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, that's those dudes. They, they do a lot of cool stuff, but yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot of, there's a vast, um, you know, difference between a lot of the drift cars in Colorado, but I've noticed that there's really no gap as far as communication and everybody kind of clicking together. Um, so that's, that's pretty sweet. Yeah. I like to to see that.
0: It's kind of like, it doesn't really matter what you drive. It's just all, you know, all there for the same purpose kind of thing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So it's good to see that. And it it wasn't always like that. There used to be a lot of separation in the Colorado drift scene. Um, Five or six years ago, things kind of fell actually more than that, like eight years ago, things kind of fell off. And uh, there was there was a lot of diversity that occurred and events broke down and people quit going to them just because they couldn't agree on things. And yeah, um, so it was kind of scary. It was kind of like the drift scene in Colorado disappeared. It it really there, there was nowhere to go. There was you know people kind of gave up on the sport for a while so it's it's really nice to see everybody coming together even with their differences and uh just here to drift and have a good time mm-hmm. so
0: even in the past like I've been here for about 5 years now but like in the past 5 years because I first moved here I was like oh I wonder if there's any drifting out here it's a big area big city you know and like yeah it was hard to find hardly anything and yeah now I see drift events popping up all the time it seems like
1: yeah, absolutely, yeah. And um, another big part of that that I'd like to say is IMI Motorsports, they uh, they really help us out, and they're really the only reason that we can host events. They are, um, they've are they got everything pretty much set up. Anybody can go down there Monday through Friday and drift all day for, like, 100 bucks, which is just crazy to me that you can just show up at a track anytime you want and be like, I'm going to drift today. There's no, like, you know, pre... Yeah or anything like that so it's it's they made it really easy it's kind of like ibisu of america
0: yeah Um, no that's what i was gonna say is like growing up i always saw the the japanese tracks and that's what they would do it's like oh you just show up pay some money go drifting whatever whenever you wanted. and it's like i never thought that would happen at a track in america because like just tracks are just under such like crackdown it seems like here like everything has to be a big event or lots of money or something like that you know
1: Yeah. So, and I think that really, that helps the drift scene in Colorado a lot. Um, People can go progress on their own and kind of get their stuff honed in and dialed in without anybody else watching or anything like that. So uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely, they've helped a lot. They've definitely made people better drivers and they're really easy to work with whenever we host events. um, You know, we obviously talk to them a lot prior to the events and all that kind of stuff. And they are, they are so helpful and they, you know, they don't shoot any of our ideas down. All they do is help us build them up and, you know, come up with solutions to the simple problems and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, that and, um, that's awesome. Yeah, we're gonna we're actually gonna try and host, hopefully if we can figure this out as far as weather goes, we're gonna try and do our first snow drift event. Oh really? <laughs> yeah. So um, you know, everything everything but studded snow tires. You can put studded on the front and just run like winter tires in the rear, but um, they do it in Japan all the time, and we figured, why not do it here? We have plow trucks and everything, so right. Uh, we figured we figured that'd be kind of funny, see if we can get a bunch of people to get their cars that are completely torn apart in the middle of a blizzard <laughs> to yank them back together in a matter of a week because that's just what we do and uh, just
0: have a fun drift event at five miles an hour. <laughs> yeah, I think I saw Yaru did a, a video on that, and it was hilarious watching these drift cars. It was literally five miles an hour. like You could walk beside them at a brisk pace, just <laughs> drifting along <laughs> in a train.
1: I mean, it would be a lot easier. You
0: wouldn't go through tires. You'd be
1: breathing your butt off. Everybody would be laughing, and it'd probably be a bunch of cars that you wouldn't see in the middle of summer drifting because you don't need horsepower to do it.
0: Right. So... Oh, I could probably go up there with my fiesta and drift a bunch. That's front wheel drive. That would
1: be awesome. <laughs> that would be awesome. Yes, please.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. So we'll we'll see how that goes. It's all weather dependent and scheduling everything, and it's kind of hard to predict when it's gonna blizzard, so it might just be a pop up event sometime in the middle of winter.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Denver can be we can go months without snow in the middle of winter and then just get dumped on with three feet. It's kind of amazing
1: yeah it's it's ridiculous we get we get false winters first winters, second winters, and third winters <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, yeah. so we've we've gone through like you know your first car and stuff but I think the reason most people know you right now is because of one of your current cars which is the fifty one chevy absolutely so how did that idea even get started
1: so um My main drift car is a 79 Toyota Cressida with a 2JZ in it. You know, it's a really good car. Yeah. The steering's outdated. Uh, It's still got a steering box. The rear end is kind of weak for the 2J. I've popped axles and diffs. And I love driving that car, but I wanted another car that I could essentially just go out on track on and beat the crap out of and not feel bad when it breaks or gets beat up or gets doors banged into or if I roll the thing,
0: Mm -hmm. I wouldn't
1: care. Um and one of my friends, um, Axel Dominic Howard, he's an awesome great dude. He had an LS four hundred that was in a front end collision that still ran and drove but looked absolutely terrible. And I was like, that would make a great drift missile. That would right. be something that I would not care about. Um it has decent power with the one UZ, but you know, it's it's a piece of crap. So I got it with the intentions of gutting all of the interior you know, deleting the door skins, getting rid of as much weight as possible. Cause the issue with yep. the Lexus is it's a very heavy car.
0: Oh yeah. That's a very, so, very big car. Like
1: yeah. Like 3,700 pounds factory. I think um, prior to me doing um, the body cutting, I was down to around 3,200 after I gutted all of the interior, the extra wiring, yeah. all the extra bracing wasn't
0: necessary in the glass. That's not atrocious, so, but that's still pretty heavy
1: it is still pretty heavy um luckily with drifting as long as you commit you don't need a crazy amount of power versus or versus weight yeah so uh, it, it you know i did a few test hits on it um and it, it felt pretty good so i was like all right I'm, i'll finally invest a little bit of money in it. so i actually bought a set of knuckles for it just to get some more steering angle i bought a hydraulic e-brake for it because it was still automatic yeah and then um, my friend was actually going to crush an LS 400, um, a previous gen, and he had some eBay coilovers on there. And I was like, if you're going to crush it, I'll come over. I'll take the coils off. I'll put my stock suspension on your car so you can still bring it to the crusher. So I did that. I got free coilovers out of it that are absolutely blown, but they worked.
0: Right. Um, they're low and they're stiff. It's good.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and the shocks, the bounce is like crazy, but whatever, they were free. That's the best yeah. parts you need. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So long story short, the car was done. It was ready for a drift event. I was like, this will be super easy. Let's go shred. And then I got this weird itch. Um, I met these Canadians that drove, oh, what was it? A 59 Dodge. I'm going to get the model wrong. It was a four-door Dodge and they cut the body off of a Corvette and put this Dodge over it. And they drove it all the way down to Arizona for a drag race event hosted by Roadkill called Roadkill Zip Tie Drags. Yep. Um, I met them and I got this weird itch after riding around in the car. I'm like, this is awesome. It looks super old, but it's got most of the modernization that you would want from like, you know, all the mechanical portions of it, Mm -hmm. independent rear suspension, good steering angle, good disc brakes, everything hot rodders really want to get in their old school cars. Yeah. So I've always loved the old school body lines and my original intentions were to find a Ford F100 long bed because they're very cheap right now. You can still get long beds for a decent price or an old C10 long bed, something yeah. that was a truck.
0: Yeah, everybody wants a um, short bed, single cab, like, exactly, sport truck. Exactly.
1: Yeah. But the thing is with the long beds, you can just cut down the bed, shorten it, and weld it back together to match the wheelbase of, let's say, an LS400. Right. So that was kind of the original idea. And I was like, this will be really easy. I'll cut the floor out of the bed. I'll raise it up. I'll weld it back in so I can hide the rear subframe and all that kind of stuff. Um, fast forward about two weeks later, I was having issues finding one, and I was on Facebook one morning, and I I, I typed in like you know the, the first year I wanted to look up to the newest year, which was like 1950 to 1979 or something, and uh, this 1951 Chevy Styline popped up for 400 bucks, and I was like, huh. I'm gonna buy that (laughs) yeah there was there was no like i didn't check the wheelbase yeah (laughs) no i yeah i didn't check the wheelbase i didn't i didn't know if it was gonna fit or not because it was a rolling chassis with you know pretty much all the body panels It needed a bumper that's all i had to find yeah but Essentially I hit him up He's like I've had 22 calls In the past half an hour I was like okay what's your PayPal Because I'm just going to send you money And I'll deal with the consequences later (laughs) Sight unseen off the internet Nothing ever goes wrong there I saw six pictures and sent him money on PayPal And just hoped that I wasn't going to get screwed over (laughs) So Got off the phone with him Made a phone call over to my buddy I was like I need to borrow your truck and trailer I made an impulse buy of a 51 Chevy He's like you don't have time for that. He's like, you have to finish your LS400. I'm like, no, no, no. This is the LS400. <laughs> um, so he was all about it. He totally understood what I was going for. Uh, so I went and picked it up, and the guy was super cool. He you know, he had everything I needed, and we got home and got straight to work on it. Um, I put it in my two-car garage. I don't have a lift in the garage or anything like that, but uh, we decided... I want to get this thing ready for summer. It was, you know, it was already getting kind of close, and I want to be able to drive this car this summer. I don't want it to sit around, and you know, miss out on the entire summer. So, right. uh, many sleepless nights later, I had the chassis out. I had the floorboards cut out of the Chevy, and I cut the body off the Lexus, and decided that I was going to go ahead and shove a Chevy body over a Lexus.
0: Now, so, I'm sure uh, that went perfectly smooth, and everything bolted right up, right?
1: absolutely and it was actually a adapter plate made uh, oh objects. perfect <laughs> <laughs> yeah no there was a lot of uh uh measuring and pretending that i knew what i was doing and acting like i was a fabricator for a long time <laughs> so uh you know one, one day i realized oh crap i think i can actually set the body over the lexus so um we did it opposite actually i supported the body and then slid the lexus underneath it all,
0: okay, yeah,, and,
1: yeah, and then I lowered the body onto the lexus and kind of kind of used some brute force to make it all
0: fit. <laughs> so how did you get the so, body up? and you said you don't have a hoist or anything in your garage, so
1: yeah, so long story short, I actually made I made one by two steel braces on the Chevy body where the body mounts used to be, okay, and then I kicked out a piece of steel outwards. Um, to essentially set on a jack stand so each side was on jack stands that were protruding outwards from the chevy oh i got you yeah and i set them up really high so that way the chassis could roll underneath and then i took four jacks slowly lowered the body onto the chassis (laughs) Um,
0: that sounds slightly sketchy yeah
1: It, it was yeah it's um, when I first got it in the garage, my original intention was I took a bunch of two by fours and cinder blocks and jack stands and put the body up as high as I could. And I was going to ratchet strap it to the roof of the garage. And I was like, wait, wait, <laughs> how am I going to get it down once it's up there? <laughs> we
0: we'll just release the ratchets and hope for the best.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just let it, let it self clearance as they'd like to say. Yeah. yeah no. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and it, it, you know, the whole intention of the build wasn't to be like, you know, something crazy big like this. It was, it was just, I liked the way the body looked and I wanted something old to cruise around in. And, uh, this was the cheapest way to do it. And I wanted to be able to drift something old school. Um, the Cressida, the 79 Cressida wasn't old enough. I wanted something from the sixties or fifties. So I had to
0: go back farther.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Some, some of that stuff, but, uh, yeah. So fast forward 65 days later and, uh, we took it to our first car show. Uh, down-to-earth days and you know I kind of I kind of was scared because I was like man I don't know if I'm gonna want to drift this car because of how good it turned out, right? Um, I was like this thing's gonna end up being a cruiser and I'm gonna be too timid to drive the thing I don't want to hurt it um, And that day they actually had a burnout contest and all of Yankee Zoku was there um, They brought their drift cars and they egged me on enough that I was like fine. I'm gonna drift it I'm gonna. I'm sorry. I'm gonna do a burnout. I'll do the burnout whatever um, you know, a burnout's not going to hurt the car. Who cares? Let's right. do it. So I do the burnout. It does a great burnout. I'm like, my God, this thing is actually really fun. I love hearing it off rev limiter. <laughs> well, immediately following the burnout competition, Levi Waite of Drift Colorado and Casey Cole of MSpec. actually it was Daniel Stuckey uh, driving his Formula Drift Pro car. So they're doing donuts around each other, um, kind of promoting the local drift scene and all that kind of stuff, Get more car shoot, car show people to come out to the events and all that. Right. I see the event organizer, and I basically go, hey, can I go out there? And I don't know why I said that. I was just, I had the itch to go drive. (laughs) Right. Um, Like, absolutely. And as soon as I say that, I see my buddy, uh, Michael Laurent. He's got a really crazy purple Cressida with a big Jay-Z in it and all sorts of stuff. He pulls up right next to me. Um, One of his tires had a leak in the sidewall. I see my other teammate pull up in a bagged IS300. He's using the air compressor to air up my buddy's tire. (laughs) And... Uh, yeah, yeah. so I start taking off, and Stuke uh, and Levi didn't know I was going to go out. So they're about to get out of their car, and I start doing donuts around them. They jump back in their car. They realize that I'm, you know, drifting my 51 Chevy around them. They didn't seem to have a problem with it. Right. And I'm like, this. I don't know why I'm doing this. And then out of nowhere, I see my teammate Mike in that purple crest that I was just talking about. He's tandeming with me on my door. And I'm like, oh, my God, we're drifting at a car show that we don't even have permission to be doing this with. <laughs> So, you know, that that goes for like two or three minutes. We're switching lead and follow. And I realized at that moment, I was like, oh, yeah, this car is a great driver. I built this car to be driven. It's, it's fun to drift. Right. So all those nerves of, you know, building a 51 Chevy into a show car that was supposed to be built for drifting that I gave up on for a second because I liked how it looked too much, all went away. I was like, this is instantly a race car. I don't care what happens to it from this point forward. I want to drive this car. I need to drive this car more. Yeah. So, uh that was that was kind of the birth moment of the 51 Chevy drift car.
0: <laughs> and if anybody so, hasn't seen his video on Hoonigan of him tearing up the yard, yeah, you're not afraid to drive that car anymore, for sure. No,
1: absolutely <laughs> not. Um, we, we've got some bigger plans for it this winter, too. Um, it is still automatic. Uh, they, we didn't really talk about that in the Hoonigan video, but the whole time it is still an auto. I was wondering that.
0: Is, you're, yeah, you're, yeah you're tearing it up and i've always wondered too i'm like because i've seen some people on there and some other people like you know tearing it up in some automatic cars and it's like manuals are good but you can drift with an automatic you just probably got to commit a little more
1: yeah there's a lot more commit and a lot less like uh you really can't use a hydro if you lock it in a certain gear because the torque converter won't let go
0: oh okay yeah
1: um, I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> I just kind of assumed the torque converter to be like, Oh, the brakes are working. I'm going to let go. No, it stays locked up. So, um, yeah, that, that was a learning curve, but so this winter, we're going to go ahead and do a manual swap on it. And I also bought a Eaton M112 supercharger for a Mustang and uh AEM meth injection and a AM infinity. Oh, wow. So, okay. Yeah. We're going to try for like 400 to the wheel with a manual swap. So, um,
0: That'll get it more rowdy.
1: Yeah, ho- hopefully. I, I want to be, uh, you know, I want to be a bit quicker in it. It's definitely meant to go faster, so I don't want to hold it back. <laughs> yeah, and
0: I saw a picture. You posted a picture of the car on the scales the other day. And what did that car come up weighing in the, in the end?
1: Uh, thirty one hundred with me in it. Yeah, so so it's
0: lighter than it was as a gutted Lexus.
1: Exactly
0: <laughs> with a big steel chevy body on it, that's amazing,
1: and a roll cage it's still it does have a roll cage in it oh okay, so it's got a sixteen cage in it, so that's that was very surprising. I was thinking like thirty three thirty four um yeah, so and it actually ran a fifteen two at bandir which for a hundred percent stock one u z with an automatic yeah, that's not bad um I was pretty surprised
0: by that actually, yeah, so definitely got a lot going there that's awesome, oh man i. I'm definitely gonna have to come out and see that thing in person sometime. I saw it I saw the car at GridLife. Uh but that was just parked there. I didn't see you out drifting that one. That uh Yeah, that no, the
1: car was actually broke there. I um we just got back from Hoonigan actually. That that was the weekend that we filmed I'm sorry, that Thursday we filmed at Hoonigan and then we went straight to Gridlife. Oh wow. Yeah. So um I think I had a bent tie rod and I think my steering angle was actually rubbing through my tension rod because the wheels were too far inset. Since then we've fixed that, but uh, my right front tension rod was totally compromised. It was not safe to drive.
0: That's just (laughs) because of the body had to put some higher offset wheels on it. So I'm assuming.
1: Yeah, they had to be further inset, and the front brakes were actually off of a Lexus SC300 because the factory LS400 brakes were too big. So, oh, really? <laughs> yeah. So I actually did a breakdown downgrade. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not
0: something that happens very often.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, that's that's not a thing in the, in the grip world. You guys would totally i would I would be crucified for
0: that, <laughs> right, yeah, my big thing now with my fiesta is I want bigger brakes, but I don't want to run anything bigger than a sixteen inch wheel if possible, so that that limits me a lot because sixteens are not very yeah, big, <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah that's that's exactly my opposite issue. I was on seventeens factory and I wanted to go to sixteens and so I did the breakdown grade, so I know exactly what you're talking right, about.
0: <laughs> so uh, yep, that's yep, awesome. Absolutely. man. So where do you yeah. see drifting going in Colorado? Do you see it just continuing to grow or? You
1: know, and that's the big thing. Um, I absolutely think it's going to grow. I mean, we just had grid life here and I think that gave a lot of people that aren't necessarily from Colorado, a little taste into how big Colorado's automotive scene actually is. Yeah. Um, and not necessarily just talking about drifting. We have, we have a lot of great classes here. I mean, with the drag scene has always been huge with Vandermeer. Mm-hmm. You guys across and grip i mean bob is really putting down for pikes peak he's you know oh yeah that whole family it's it, you guys have really put call on the map for you know grip stuff yeah it's, it's crazy yeah
0: bob has been opening up that track to just everything and anything he can you know we got tommy boilo who i had on the podcast earlier on you know really pushing with uh the pikes peak hill climb and stuff and you know just continuing to yeah, try to grow yeah. that down there
1: Exactly. Yeah. And so with that being said, um, you know, more recently, we've had a bunch of big time drivers actually showing up in Colorado. um, Our last event, we had uh, Dan Brockett, um, Officer Dan, as he's known, he came out and had a great time. And, uh, you know, it was nice to see him there. And, you know, everybody loves seeing him drive and all that kind of stuff. And uh, that was really cool. And um, I think uh, track days is coming up the same day as no coast uh, Dan Brockett's event in New Mexico. But track days is going to have a bunch of really cool drivers there. Forest Wayne is going to be there. Um, you know, a bunch of big time drivers. I don't think they've announced all of them yet, but there's going to be a bunch of really good drivers there. So, um, as far as the uh, nation sees, Colorado's Colorado's starting to get a lot a lot more attention and traction, which is good because there's a lot to be offered here. Right. So I think our goal for next year, um, Yankee Zoku as a team. Um, we're going to start doing a bit more out of state events while hosting our own events here in state. But our, our goal is to try and get more surrounding states to come to Colorado to experience what it has to offer.
0: Yeah. I I think Um, that's a good idea because a lot of those surrounding states here are a little smaller, so they probably don't have as big of a scene. So they're probably looking for some place to go, you know?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, and we do, we already have, um, the Wyoming drift guys, Y slide? Um, they come out to our events. We go out to theirs. We've actually got a bunch of people from South Dakota that have been coming out. Um, you know, New Mexico is starting to come to our events. We've had some Arizona guys. Okay. Um, but we're trying to, yeah, we're we're trying to get like you know the Texas guys and you know the East and West Coast to really dive in because we're in the center of America and people are driving from the West Coast to go all the way to the East Coast to go drifting and vice versa. Right. And um, we have tracks and the capability of hosting something right in the middle of everybody that everybody can enjoy Uh, we have the facilities we have the place to do it we have great tracks to be driven on Mm -hmm. it's not a boring track so um you know i think with the traction we're gaining i I can see drifting in colorado in the next five to ten years
0: really blowing up yeah yeah being the central location it could possibly you know get some of the biggest events just because like you said you get people from everywhere so absolutely yeah so and that that's really a big determination on,
1: you know, people not wanting to drive as far. So you, you do it more centered and everybody's going to want to come. Yeah. So that's the idea. And, um, you know, we're, we're going to try and implement a few different things into our drift events. Um, speaking of Dan Brockett, he's got no coast coming up and he does things a little bit differently, kind of like us where he hosts, uh, what we like to call Matsuri or a uh, bash style events mm-hmm. where it's just go out and drift and have fun. Um, but he, he adds a little bit of flavor to that. He does like Team driving events where like your whole team goes out at once and tries to lay down a crazy drift line with all of you at once. And um he, you know, he has like a mechanical bowl there for people to ride. <laughs> um he just like all sorts of crazy stuff like that. Yeah. Um he does this thing called like mosh pit dodgeball. It's just, you know, trying to get as many people involved that maybe aren't driving because yeah, at the end of the day, drifting is a spectator sport. Yes, there's a lot of fun driving it. But spectators make the events. Um, they, they really, you know, yep. they're, they're there to watch some crazy stuff and we're there to put on a show. So Yeah,
0: that's one thing I liked about, about the Gridlife event was, you know, in between runs and stuff, there was stuff for people to do. You know, it wasn't just sitting in stands. They had the arcade stuff. and Later at night, they had the, you know, the uh, concerts and stuff like that. And it's like, it's nice to have other things for the spectators to do besides just sit around in the heat and wait for the next round of guys to come out, you know
1: yeah absolutely and that's that's big to us um you know it yeah it's a spectator sport and i, I actually love that about it because it you know it really gets people involved and we'll often try to get people that are spectating if they've never been in a drift car um a few of us on the team will go and be like hey do you want to go for a ride in this like i've seen you you've, you've been looking like you're having a really good time you're really into this let's get you a little bit more into it yeah so <laughs> um you know we we i put uh you know, I put a few kids in the passenger seat and buckled them all up and, you know, been real safe and taking it real easy. But, you know, taking them out on the track and, you know, who knows that that may lead to them building cool drift cars in the rest of their life. You know, who who knows where it can lead and, you know, what positive reinforcement it can you know put on some people that need to need to experience that. So right. It's... That
0: might be their experience that when some idiot with a podcast like me asks them, when did you realize cars are going to play an important role in your life? That'll be their first, you know, memory of it. So. Yeah, yeah, that's
1: yeah, that's that's kind of the goal, you know, just get as many people involved in the sport, especially cuz, you know, that's the whole reason we're into cars is, you know, obviously automotive, but the people that I've met through being into cars is, you know, life-changing. There's Oh, for sure. stuff that I yeah, the stuff that I now do compared to the things I thought I would have done are night and day. I didn't think that any of this was going to be tangible or you know, any of that kind of stuff and thanks to the great people I've met, um, you know, it's became possible and you know my career and you know my passion; they've all really progressed because of it. So, yep, yeah, I think that's, that's why we all I've like said that car. before.
0: Yeah, it's the cars are kind of the initial attraction, but you stay for the people.
1: Absolutely, yeah, I I agree wholeheartedly. There's, you know, I've got friends that i call family. Um, I would trust them with my life, and I if it wasn't for cars, I wouldn't have met any of them. And uh, you know, that's that's the best part about it to me.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Well, Jake, you got anything, you kind of were plugging a lot of stuff along the way, but is there anything else you want to plug before we end here?
1: I think that's it, man. I really appreciate you having me on the show and uh, it's been great chatting with you and, um, you know, can't wait to, can't wait to see where drifting goes and all that.
0: Yeah. And I'll be sure to come out to at least one of these events, one of these days, and finally get my taste of drifting in Colorado.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think our next event is September 14th
0: at IMI Motorsports. All right. It uh, should be a good time. I'll try to make it out there. Awesome. Well, I want to thank the band uh, Wheels for the use of the our theme song Colors off the album Traveler. You can find more about them at wheelsofband.bandcamp.com and you can follow Religion of Speed on Instagram and Facebook at religionofspeed.co uh, Jake, you got any where you want people to follow you at?
1: Um, If you check us out on Facebook, Yankee Zoku, or Instagram, that's where we both are. We'll post our events on there and uh, just keep going.
0: Awesome. Well, this has been the Religion Speed Podcast, guys. Thanks again, Jake, for coming on. Thanks for having me. All right. Peace out.